0: Amazon channels, a new entertainment brand, and churn reduction are key parts of Warner Brother Discovery's 2023 strategy. Will it help it dig out from under the massive debt the company carries? Listen on to find out more.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of Inside Stream. This is Will Richmond. From Video News, and that was Colin Dixon at the beginning from End Screen Media. Hey, Colin.
0: I will. Uh, still busily watching all the World Cup games. England play on Saturday against Le Bleu, France. So that'll be a great game. Uh, but uh, France, oh my gosh, how you stop Kylian Mbappe scoring, I just don't know. That man's on fire.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, your productivity will be increasing again soon as well with the World <laughs> Cup.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, the necess- games
1: winding it, down.
0: It necessarily will, will, because uh, already <laughs> it's gone from being four games a day to uh, well, next week it'll be only be a few games, so won't be every day. So that's that's for sure. So yes, my productivity is back, but we got a really interesting discussion this week. Actually, our news items, which we're going to do right now, also relate to our main item. They're all sort of tied up here, so uh, uh, we're going to get to our news items first, though.
1: And you're going to lead us off.
0: I am, and one of the things that uh, I think has been, well, I don't think, I know, has been driving me a bit crazy is the fact that the, particularly the TV broadcasters, they've sort of flipped a switch. They've gone from being uh, obsessed with growing subscribers and uh, to being obsessed with becoming profitable. And I have a, lot of, uh, have a feeling that a lot of this is driven by Wall Street and that Wall Street are getting impatient for them to be profitable in those services. Uh, but I really think that they're being unreasonable. They're, they're launching a service and thinking, you know, two or three years down the line that they can be profitable with this service. And we're talking about global services here, Well, These are services that are running in multiple countries. And I just think it's unreasonable. Well, uh, thank goodness for Bob Backish is all I can say. He's Paramount Global CEO and he was speaking at the UBS conference this week and what he said at the conference was about direct-to-consumer services. He says, so it takes a little while, but we are very focused on profitability and building a financially compelling business here, and we're very much tracking in that direction. But he refused to give a specific date when, that, when those services would be profitable, and I think that is exactly the right position to take you you've got content that you know consumers value it's going to take time as the channels are disrupted for things to settle back down you just have to buckle up settle in and do everything that you need to do to create a compelling service that people want to subscribe to and the monetization i think will follow and that's exactly what mr backish is saying and i just you know this obsession with profits uh, that has even been taken up by Bob Iger, I think he's a bit unrealistic.
1: Well, certainly a message to Wall Street of stay patient with us, we feel like we know what we're doing and we're building value in the long term is, is a message that a CEO would be expected to deliver and when we get to talking about the new HBO Max and Amazon, distribution deal. we'll get back to talking about profitability and uh, subscriber growth and what's happening these days. Um, but Colin, you have to admit that it uh, just last week on the podcast we were talking about AMC cutting 20% of its staff and James Dolan saying point blank that you know streaming has not replaced the loss of revenue from pay TV and cord cutting. And also the you know kind of widely shared number in the industry that outside of Netflix, all other players might be losing somewhere on the order of $10 billion or more um, annually now in streaming. So it's it sort of seems like it's an open question how long to go until profitability. And uh, Wall Street will only remain patient for so long.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's a good question, Will, how long they will remain patient. But let's... <laughs> Netflix took 10 years to, to, to be profitable in streaming. And I think it's not unreasonable for the TV broadcasters to face the fact that it could take five to eight years before they reemerge as the powerhouses that they have been in the past. They have to recognize their entire distribution channel is disrupted. And that is something that it takes a long time for things to settle out on. And patience is the only thing that, that, uh, that I think Bob Backish is, is, is right to ask from the financial community. He has valuable content. And I, I think actually, I think this could, if nothing, nothing else, this... A drive to profitability could signal the end of peak TV because you know people just cannot afford to create that amount of content anymore, and I suspect that we will see a decrease in the number of new series and big budget series uh, going forward. But uh, it's gonna take a while.
1: Well, we're gonna to return to the topic of profitability versus uh, all-out subscriber growth when we get to talking about HBO Max, but. One other quick and related news item on our radar this week is that um, Peacock is now up to 18 million paid subscribers, paying subscribers, I should say. Uh, that's according to NBC Universal's uh, CEO, Jeff Shell, who was speaking at the same uh, U- UBS conference that you just referred to. And uh, that growth actually is pretty healthy. That's up from 15 million that Peacock said it had at the end of September. So you're talking about growth in a couple of months of about uh, $3 million. And he cited the move from of programming from Hulu over to Peacock. We, you and I have talked about that before. And sports and the Universal movies that are on Peacock. So uh, good growth by them. And then also interesting for Peacock and more broadly for Comcast is... That uh, they have this put call situation with the 33%, uh, 30% of Hulu that Comcast still owns. And it's been kind of an open question as to whether Disney was going to acquire that so that it would then own Hulu in full, or possibly that it could go in the other direction and Comcast would potentially be interested in buying out the Disney share. But it seems from his comments, that the likely outcome is that it's going to be in fact Comcast that's going to sell its share to Disney and he had a just a very short quote saying that quote it's worth a lot of money this referring to their stake in Hulu it's worth a lot of money and i think there's no indication that anything else is going to happen than Disney writing us a big check so <laughs> That's, I think, the most definitive comment that I've heard or seen about the outcome of that remaining stake in Hulu. And um, it's not going to be resolved any time in the very near future. But it is, I think, coming up by the end of 24.
0: Right, right. Yeah, the, the other thing I'd throw into the Peacock Games is the World Cup, which, of course, started... Which I think has has been in this period that Jeff Shell was saying they picked up three million subscribers since the last time they reported, which would have been at the end of yep. September. So I think the World Cup is certainly involved there, and and of course bringing the most recent shows back that that are broadcast on NBC to, within 24 hours on the Peacock that has to have a big a big impact. There was one other thing that also came out in the last week. Well, of that they are they're also looking at moving Comcast RSNs. Into Peacock, they're apparently the they're back negotiating with the rights holders to see if they can do that. If they can move it into Peacock, and I think that's a that's a great idea. I think they should do that. Um, ESPN is selling subscriptions to UFC or is it UFC or WWE I can never remember which one it is inside of ESPN plus and uh, Apple now is selling subscriptions to MLS inside of Apple plus Apple Apple TV plus I think this is a great uh, this is a great model for them to attract a whole bunch of users if they can do that because you know let's be honest the RSM fans the people that really want that stuff are going to pay so they're the people you want to pay, and you'll get them to pay to be first to become Peacock, and then to actually subscribe to the sub 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 content um, inside of it. So I think that's probably a really good move too.
1: Yeah, although on the flip side, one wonders whether that just accelerates cord cutting. If the RSNs, if your favorite RSN is available within Peacock, and that was one of the reasons why you were resisting cutting the cord, does that give you? The sort of you know another you know reason to, to not stick around any longer, and that RSN money is real. That RSN money that yeah. Yeah. Uh, they get for those care for uh, from the pay TV operators is is, is significant money. So um, putting it within Peacock, that 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 would not be a replacement. I mean, back to our earlier topic, there's there's no way they would be repl- a lost uh, subscriber. Uh, um who for whom they're getting an rsn monthly fee is not going to be made up with a peacock subscriber
0: yeah well i i I don't know if that sum works out well i know that uh, almost certainly that when they sell the rsn within within peacock they'll be charging more than than the fees that they get from the pay tv operator directly i'm sure but whether that's sufficient to make up the difference I'm. Probably not.
1: That's a fair point. You're saying there's going to be a surcharge for Peacock subscribers to get yeah. access to the RSS. I, I, yeah. so. okay. I, th- I think. I I was so. assuming it would be within. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah. a fair. That's. A I'm fair always
0: point. certain that they wouldn't give it away. They'll. 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 There'll be a surcharge. Yeah. a You know, twenty dollar a month surcharge or something, and I imagine it. Will, it will be quite steep. Um, because those RSNs, are, as you say, are very, are very costly. But anyway, <laughs> that would be a good move. But I think it's probably time for us to dive in on on our main topic, although I have to say we've talked to these are all related. So maybe we don't have a main topic today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all related. But yeah, we certainly were both following the um, reversal in sentiment by HBO Max to... Go from pulling themselves out of Amazon Prime channels to now going back into it, and you're going to get us started on that.
0: I am Will, and I'm not going to I'm not going to rehash all of the arguments I made why I think HBO Max just simply doesn't need Amazon channels. Uh, what I really want to do is I want to focus on why they might have done it, being part of Amazon Channels they will immediately have an international, a global distribution partner. So I have a feeling that that might be something to do with it. They have historically worked a lot with Amazon Discovery. So when Discovery first launched their two SVOD channels in Europe, which is Eurosport and, and Discovery itself, One of their first partners was Amazon Channels. They were one of the first partners in when Amazon launched channels. And so I think they see it as a very, very strong marketing and distribution channel for their products. That I'm pretty sure has played into why they have gone back. They've taken HBO Max back in to Amazon Channels, um, even even though... (laughs) Yeah, the the previous owner, AT&T, fought so hard to get it out. It's not without cost. They are probably giving up something between 30 and 50% of the subscription rate directly to Amazon. Uh, and they get a lot for that. Amazon handles pretty much everything. They just have to hand over the content. Amazon handles the marketing. Amazon, Amazon handles the, the, the video management and delivery and the app and, and the customer management and all of that. So they actually get quite a lot of, of logistical support for that partnership. Uh, and they also, of course, get Amazon's considerable marketing muscle that um, they're able to now, when people do search on content that, that's in HBO Max, within the Amazon Amazon app, they'll get pointed directly at it. So I think those are some of the reasons why they have done this. Um, uh, but it's it's I think it's a, Bit risky, will. That is, very simply, because Prime Video is a competitor of of HBO Max and of uh, and of Discovery Plus. It's providing content. It's another subscription service. Although they, you know, people don't subscribe directly. Of course, they get it as part of Prime. But it viewing that content takes time away from viewing their content. Um, and there is of course there is this, uh, all, uh, this other factor where merely by working with them as part of channels they actually help prime video become a more compelling proposition to consumers and so consumers spend more time in there with Amazon's content as well as the HBO Max and, and Discovery content that they'll find there. So there is, a, there is an aspect there where this is very definitely a coopetition relationship. Um, So there is that that risk that they actually end up sort of losing their identity uh, as part of the prime offering. And and this is a bit like pay TV operators, right? They end up uh, being, the pay TV operator took all the credit for delivering all of the content Uh, When in fact, it's HBO doing all the work here or doing a lot of the work here by creating it. So there's lots of pluses and minuses here. Uh, Obviously, this team have looked at the minuses and considered that they don't outweigh the pluses. Uh, But I'll, I'll take a break there before we talk about the name.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think the latter point that you make, which is really around customer ownership, is critical. And Um, Podcast listeners may recall that over a year ago I shared my experience of subscribing to AMC Plus through Amazon Prime channels and it became really evident through having that experience that Amazon shares virtually no data uh, or any data back with the underlying um, SVOD service. I went through the seven-day trial. I never heard a word from AMC about other programming that they might want to promote to me, anything to have me retain the service beyond the seven-day trial. And then when I dropped, I never heard anything from them either. So there was basically no retention strategy. Now, whether that was an AMC Plus issue, purely or and or combined with Amazon not giving them the data, who knows, but the net result of the experience was that um, it was you know, basically zero customer lifetime value to AMC Plus for my subscription. And you know, when you flash forward now a year plus to HBO Max going back into Amazon Prime channels, and we think about customer lifetime value, th- it feels like the number one thing, the number one piece of data that HBO Max would be looking for is the subscriber's email address so that they can open up a direct communication channel with that subscriber to promote programming to, you know, execute a retention strategy, etc. And I I think we'd agree there's just no way that Amazon is sharing their customers' email address with HBO Max or any of the other providers within channels. It's a privacy issue, number one, it's a business issue, number two, Um, and that leaves essentially HBO Max in the same place as where we were talking about AMC Plus over a year ago. And if you then, so if you then assume that, then go back to what we were talking about related to Paramount and also Peacock, this question of are streaming services emphasizing subscriber growth or profitability right now? So many of the headlines seem to focus on profitability, not subscriber growth these days. Yet the HBO Max Amazon deal seems to be tilted more towards subscriber growth than profitability. So it seems to be somewhat at odds with the kind of prevailing headlines that we read about. So I have to say that I'm 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 a little bit, you know, kind of unclear why they would reverse themselves a year later and get, uh, notwithstanding the reasons that you gave, which I think are all you know completely valid. Uh, I just don't know if long-term there's real value to HBO Max for distributing through Amazon.
0: Yeah, yeah, so uh, a couple of things there. First, on the data issue, I think you're absolutely right about the email. I think there is zero chance that Amazon is gonna give uh, give them the email address of the subscriber who's s- s- subscribed to their service. I do think that they maybe have a preferential deal on data, the data they will, because um, they've been running a trial in Europe, I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but they were, they, they advertised, um, or they, there was a statement by, um, by Warner Brothers Discovery and Amazon that they were running a trial in Europe where they were getting more information, more data, out of Amazon. And it makes total sense that they would do it with Discovery, that Amazon would do it with Discovery because they've been been such close partners and they continue to be close partners. Uh, so that may well be bringing much more data to them than other folks are getting. But as you say, they still, they, almost certainly they cannot get that email address. And without that email address, what can they do when you cancel? They were like they are totally relied on Amazon to retarget that customer. If if Amazon can do that for them, uh, and, and one of the principal ways that you would retarget is when you have a new show that you know the customer would like. Is Amazon going to do that for them? When they just tell them, "Hey, we got this new show. Tell all the people that cancelled that we've got it." And the answer is, I don't know. Have you ever gotten email from Amazon about? Any any channel service that they have, I've never I've never gotten. Yeah, I mean now. the
1: the short answer is no, and the longer answer is Amazon has far far bigger fish to fry than trying to, you know, implement a retention strategy for any one of its hundreds of different Prime channel partners. Yeah, yeah. So I I think that's unlikely to change. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned this maybe loosening of data, and it'd be of course you know, curious to see, to know what data specifically, but if the data isn't actionable, if there isn't something yeah. that the underlying provider can do with that data, and and I'm talking about not just like, oh, people are watching, you know, the White Lotus from uh, beginning to end 60% of the time versus, you know, 30% of the time for the first year, whatever. You know, that that's, that's not something That materially increases in value as a result of uh, Amazon telling you that you can know that yourself. HBO can know that itself from its own user Mm -hmm. data, and so it needs something that it can then act on. It needs to be able to message that, as you were saying before, that white lotus fan that the new season is about to drop, or a behind-the-scenes clip, or you know whatever. So it's a curious move and it seems to be somewhat um, inconsistent with everything that we're reading about I have no doubt that that um, Warner Brothers discovery analyzed the decision to go back onto Amazon you know every which way and the other and they came to this conclusion on a reasoned basis it's just it's just not apparent why they would do it
0: yeah I mean uh, certainly any customer that they gain, through Amazon any additional customers that they gain through Amazon I mean it's I guess it's it doesn't come with with very many um, operational costs associated with it because Amazon takes everything um, takes care of everything for them when they're when they're running in that service using the Prime Video app as the delivery vehicle but I gotta I gotta tell you Will I they must prefer a subscriber to come directly to their app if they can. They're, they're gonna make, A, they're probably gonna make more revenue, but B, they get all that data. They get the opportunity to retarget. So it's pretty hard to see how in the long run this really helps HBO Max. I'm mind betting with such great name recognition in the US and pretty good recognition in Europe for HBO content I just don't see how it can be a huge benefit to to the company in the long run. And as I say, I'm scratching my head a little bit. This company is saddled <laughs> with a lot of debt and uh, they need to pay that debt, debt down as quickly as they can. And this just doesn't seem, seems like a great way to get maybe some incremental subscribers, but I don't see it as a great way to make a whole bunch of money. Um, then maybe we should talk about the other thing that they announced this week and that's the name. And so, did they actually? Did they
1: actually announce sorry, it, or was it not just reports that reports that they're trending toward a the, name? To yeah, be, they're market
0: testing, or at least they're testing the name, and the name right. they come up with is Max. That's what they—that's apparently what they think they want to call this. Um, and this not, being
1: the combined, this being the, the aggregated yes. service of HBO Max and Discovery Plus.
0: Yeah, that they're going to put together. They say they actually. Yeah. They say that they're seeing. They've been trialing putting some discovery content in HBO Max in advance of the bringing the two services together, um, and they say that they see positive results as regards churn. They see it actually. They say it does seem to be reducing churn. Uh, I guess we'll have to take their word for it. I I'm pretty skeptical myself, as as listeners know, but anyway. I understand why they wanted to choose a name. They didn't want to sort of say, oh, this is going to be Discovery HBO or HBO Discovery or or something like that. So they've chosen a neutral name. But I think, pragmatically, it's probably a mistake. And the reason is simple. They're going to have to work awfully hard to get max known and accepted by everybody in the regions that they want it to be accepted in and they are walking away from at least one brand which is hbo max which is pretty much universally known certainly in the us and hbo which is known extremely well in europe look i i was looking at some hub data number numbers and from earlier this year and they were looking at awareness and familiarity with tops uh, streaming TV brands and 96% are aware of Netflix well if you look at HBO Max 96% are aware of HBO Max and 58% say they're familiar it's much higher for Netflix 80% say they're, they're aware and familiar with Um, Same And same for Prime Video, Uh, 69% say they're aware and familiar with Prime Video. But the the point is here, they have a great brand that is well known, that pretty much everybody has at least some awareness of, and yet they want to come up with a new brand and establish that new brand and get, (laughs) get that brand universally known, but not only that well, they need to make the association between Max and HBO and Max and Discovery because those are the brands that people know. So it just seems like why, why go through all this bother? Why, why not leverage the joint name somehow Discovery HBO? Keep it simple. It just seems silly to come up with something that's not related.
1: Well, yeah, I hear you on all, and no doubt this was another decision that was analyzed left, right, and center at Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, you know, But to your point, it is a little bit of a head-scratcher why they would not want to have HBO, the HBO name at the top and or even the Discovery name at the top. But to put both of them below the Max brand is... Um, you know they it means they have they have a brand new branding challenge in front of them of of generating awareness of what this thing called Max actually is and you know they're kind of i think trying to run the Disney Plus playbook by putting all these brands under one roof and no doubt there'll be a button for HBO Max or HBO there'll be a button for Uh, Discovery, there will be a button for other content, just like there's a button for Disney, Pixar, Marvel, you know, Nat Geo, et cetera. But the big difference, of course, is that Disney called their service Disney Plus. They used the name Disney, which was already universally known, whereas the word Max is not (laughs) universally known or associated. But HBO is a well-known brand. Discovery is a well-known brand, so it it is going to be, they are setting themselves up for you know some, some significant branding work and you know that's before even talking about the question which I know you're a huge skeptic of of whether there's actually um, you know crossover appeal between discovery uh, programming and HBO programming which right. um, is you know better be true otherwise the whole proposition <laughs> well, of putting all this under one umbrella is completely useless so I I've, I know you're skeptical. I've been sort of deferring to whatever analysis they had to have done on that question alone uh, to justify this, but um, you know, we will wait and see how it rolls out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess we will. And you know, one of the key uh, one of the key things that they're really focused on, which is dir- directly goes at profitability and and revenue, is that they want to reduce churn and they want to increase customer lifetime value. And so if the numbers that they're looking at tell them that putting the two together will do that, I guess, okay, I guess do that and let's see what happens. But why don't you do that under a brand that everybody already knows? or at least link directly to a brand that everybody knows. Let's be honest, Will, how long has Disney Plus been out? It's been out a couple of years, right? It has taken no time at all for customers, for people in the U.S. to become aware of Disney Plus. And the reason is simple, because it says Disney. And I, I think it's probably true to say that that's the same for Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus, HBO Max. All of these leveraged the TV brands that we've known for decades. And, uh, you know, you uh, walking away from that just seems a little silly to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, it didn't hurt that Disney put hundreds of millions of dollars behind uh, marketing and promoting the the Disney Plus service, for sure. But it was Disney Plus in the headline with uh, Disney, Marvel, Nat Geo, et cetera, in in the next font down or next size of logo down. Whereas here, again, it's going to be Max in the big prominent position with HBO brand below that, which seems to your point that they're giving up on some serious equity that they've developed in the hbo brand over the years but i don't know it's a uh, it's i i, I want to believe that these decisions are analyzed up and down and come to in a well-reasoned manner however counterintuitive they may seem to you know, the, the sideliners like us to take pot shots at. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I just got one more, one more comment about the reducing churn thing. Um, you know, uh, I forget who it was, um, whether it was David Zaslav or, or somebody else that they made the comment that, that the combined product would have as much content as Netflix in the library you know there'd be the same roughly the same number of titles in the library as Netflix has and and I guess there was a sort of an attempt there to sort of link that to the fact that Netflix has such low churn it has I mean I was looking at antenna data and antenna data says Netflix is the lowest at 3.3 percent and uh, actually HBO Max and Discovery Plus both have about six percent monthly churn which is I guess pretty high. But i got to tell you, it's not the library size that's reduced the churn, that gives reduced churn at Netflix and Disney. Um, Well, maybe it is a little bit more at Disney, but certainly not at Netflix. It is the content flow, right? You know when you're going to come into Netflix that there's always something new to watch. Well, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is... Has got a cash flow problem and they're trying to be as efficient, quote, efficient as possible in producing content and they're cutting projects left and right. Is so, if they really want to reduce churn and increase customer lifetime value, they have to crank up the cadence on the delivery of content at a time when they don't seem to have the cash. So, <laughs> bringing these two together alone creating a big library is not i think going to do what it what they think it will do to reduce churn and get it down in sort of netflix disney plus plus realm um, yeah. but but yeah. anyway i think we've probably beaten this this almost the death well this week <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think we have so why don't we leave it at that lots of interesting questions here no clear answers but we'll continue revisiting these and no doubt the market will continue to evolve and change and let's see if it stays focused on profitability versus sub growth or whether that's just a a headline these days
0: and whether it's just a headline indeed so uh, good chatting as as always
1: good chatting have fun watching the world cup colin and uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you all again
0: next week Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.